Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Praise the Lord. It's my greatest honor to be here. And uh, I left Oklahoma in great hands. Hallelujah. And I know you hear Tulsa. Tulsa is the most wonderful place. And some of the greatest churches are there, and some of the greatest men and women that you've ever heard of in, in, the, in the history of the church were there. And I'm telling you, God has still got a plan for Oklahoma. Can I have a big amen for tremendous, tremendous ministers, churches, the Hagans, Rama, all of these wonderful places. God is just working, amen, to see his kingdom come. And manifested in people's lives. Amen. Well, we've had a wonderful couple of nights. It's been my joy and my honor, my wife. And uh, of course, we have Jeremiah with us in this trip as well. Praise the Lord. Maybe Karn and Jeremiah, you want to stand just a little? Everybody knows exactly who you are. <laughs> Jeremiah loves me doing that. Hallelujah. This monitor's buzzing away, just, just so that you know. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, are you happy? Yes. Praise the Lord. Happy is the people whose God is the Lord. How many people would say today that God is your Lord? Yes. You know, the Old Testament knew him as God. In the New Testament, we know him as Father. In the Old Testament, they never knew him as Father. We as the New Testament church, we know him as Father. And really to call him God is really what the heathens call him. But for us as believers, we get to call him Father. He's Abba. He is our Father who is in heaven. And we hallow His name. Amen. Now, sometimes people, you know, they look at me and think, well, it's okay for you, preacher. You know, you're the pastor. You're supposed to act like you act. Well, I got to preaching and got into pastoring because of the way that I fell in love with Him. I couldn't resist Him. He wooed me by His Spirit. He drew me to Himself. I received him as my Lord and personal Savior, and I fell in love with him. You know, for a man, that's a strange thing. You get a little bit, you know, we're supposed to be the, you know, well, bless God, you know. It's okay for women, right? It was okay for the ladies around Jesus. They, you know, washed his feet with their hair, and that would be hard for me to do that. <laughs> you know, but, but look at John, the beloved. John the Beloved would drape himself over the master's knees like a, you know, like a, like a courtesy drape, you know. He'd just, he'd just lie over. If I were Jesus, I'd be telling John, would you please sit up? <laughs> but John had a relationship with the Lord, which really points the way to a lot of us guys and saying, you know, it's okay for us to be close to the Lord. It's okay for us, you know, to say that we love him. It's okay for us to draw close to him and fall head over heels in love with him. And that's been my pursuit. So sometimes people say, it's, it's because you're pastor. And, you know, I wish you could have known me, you know, way before I ever pastored. I just loved the Lord and, you know, wanted to see people well. I wanted to see people prayed for. And, uh, you know, that's how it started. We'd just pray for people. and We'd see them get well. We'd see them get help. And, you know, our living room, saw people delivered in our living room. And, you know, that's just how it started, sitting up a mountain, just, you know, praying with the Lord. I, I know it was the Lord that led me up that mountain. I didn't know that it was St. Patrick's Mountain, and that's where St. Patrick kept sheep all those years. And St. Patrick was the one who brought the gospel to Ireland and, you know, turned it away from the Druids to Jesus Christ and won the kings over and won the kingdoms over. And that's how Ireland became a Christian nation. And I didn't know when the Lord asked me to set up a, set up a mountain that, that things were going to happen. And I would see certain things beyond this realm. That the Lord would open up my eyes and my heart to, to the realm of the supernatural. And to know that God was more than just a being in the sky, but he was the father of lights. He was the eternal father. And James tells us that every, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. Amen? It's a Greek word that means that everything comes down in torrential downpours. It means that the blessings should be smacking off your head 
in such a way that you cannot miss what God is doing in your life. Can I have a big amen? So sometimes people look at, well, this is what preachers are supposed to be, but, but I minister to you not because I'm a preacher. I minister to you because I love the Lord. And I love him with all my heart. And my, my greatest joy and my greatest passion is to see people fall in love with him. That's why I worked so hard last couple of nights. I've worked hard, you know, working hard. You know, just it's easy to work here. You know, you've got pastors that love the Lord. You've got pastors that love the word. You've got pastors who are just gifted and anointed to lead you. I saw the plans of ex expansions. It's very exciting what God is doing here. But a, a body that is in love with the Lord will be unstoppable. Because if you love him, then if your life was ever expected from you, you would be able to give it. See, we're living in different days. No one would ever have thought that we would have come through two and a half years, three years like we would have come through. No one ever thought that things that had happened would have come the way they came. No one would ever have thought that the world would have came to a standstill in the way that the world did. Churches closed. Who would ever have thought that? The world closed. No one can travel. It was very different. And, and now, coming out the other end of that, we're tempted to normalize everything. We're tempted to forget that it happened. We're, we're tempted to forget that, that we, even as the church, were held to ransom. I, I, I've told our board and staff and leadership that I don't care what's coming. We will never close the church, no matter what. If I'm there on my own, I will be there to ensure that the doors stay open. Why? Because I believe that we're in perilous days, and I believe that there's going to have to be a door open that people can come through. You know, we grew uh, over this period of time. And one of the reasons that we grew over this period of time is that people would hear that Millennial Church is praying for people. They didn't come from my fancy footwork. They didn't come from my great preaching, even though it's amazing. They didn't come because I was cute and more handsome than that. They came because they heard that we were praying for people. In a time that we weren't supposed to touch people. But you know, I, I would read accounts of how God moved. In years gone by, even when the bubonic plague was taking people out and people like John G. Lake would, would work and pray for people, even in the midst of death, he would still pray for people. And I don't believe it was just because John G. Lake was a minister of the gospel. I believe it was because he loved the Lord. I believe that his place with the Lord was such a, a beautiful place that there was a respect and a reverence that was held for this morning's going to be a little different. You know, I, I just, I've been, my heart's been crying out to the Lord that, that you see beyond the, the trimmings and the trappings of church, that you see beyond the trimmings and trappings of the office of the pastors, the teacher, the office of a guest speaker, that you see the realities of the lives, the hearts, why, why we do what we do, why, why a person like me is not satisfied. I, I should be the most satisfied man in the world. I have the most beautiful family. I have the greatest people around me in my life. I have a phenomenal work of God. I can go anywhere in the world and do anything that I, I need to do by the Spirit of God. I'm a very blessed, fortunate individual. Truly, I have love people, and I have people that love me. How many people knows that's a wonderful thing right there? Just to, to love and be loved is one of the greatest things. I, I, but then why, Pastor, are you not satisfied? I'm not satisfied because I see that there's still so many people that are destroyed. I'm not satisfied because I read more of what God did in books than what I see him doing. I'm not satisfied because even though as a local pastor, you know, with 
probably a very strong apostolic call. I'm not satisfied with what I see, even today. Even with the greatest and the largest meetings, I'm still not satisfied. I hear of God moving in the times of A.A. Alm and Catherine Coleman. I was in some of those large crusades of Benny Hinn when you would just sense the anointing just blow straight through. I'm still not satisfied. I stood in the line at Brownsville, the thunder and the lightning going around us. You know, waiting to get in, I didn't know what I was really expecting. All I knew is that I wasn't satisfied. And I still today, at the age of 54, I'm still not satisfied. Does it mean I'm not satisfied with my life in God? Oh, I'm satisfied with the Lord. But yet satisfied with a hunger and a thirst that I know that even what I experience in my relationship with the Lord, there's so much more. There's so much more that he wants me introduced to. That he's such a great God that he, he works with us. He, he draws us to himself. And, and then he reveals himself to us in a way that we're able to handle it. Isn't he a gracious God? So I understand in a room like this this morning, not everybody is going to be like Paul Brady. I understand that not everybody over the last couple of nights are you know, really intrigued by being asked to pray more, you know, shout more, you know, go the distance more. I, I understand that. It's like, you're not me, right? But when hunger begins to take a hold of you, when you become dissatisfied with how life really is, when, when you become dissatisfied with your little life in God and your little devotions in the morning, and when you come dissatisfied, you know, that it seems to be that the devil is doing more than what God's doing. And you see people's lives being destroyed and sickness rampaging through people's lives and people leaving the planet early. When, 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 when you become dissatisfied with the, that, that state of things, then, then things begin to change. You, you begin to seek him. And he said, if you seek me, you will find me. And what I need you to know desperately this morning is, is that... that I'm not finding the Lord because I'm a pastor. I actually pastor because I found the Lord. And I flow out of a heart for the Lord. I'm never satisfied. At times I want to apologize to the Lord. And I say, Lord, I, forgive me. I'm just not satisfied. I'm, I'm not satisfied. I go home from meetings and, and I say things to the Lord. I said, Lord, I, I, hope, I hope we did tonight what you wanted us to do. But Lord, I'm just not satisfied. And I believe that the Lord is, he's okay with that, you know, because he, he's drawn and he's wooing because, you know, he's the miraculous God. He's the, he's the, the, the miracle worker. He, he's the one that gave us the promises, over 7,000 of them that are yes and amen, right? He's the one that stirred our hearts to believe in the first place. He's the one that, that gave them bread and quail in the in the wilderness, he's the one that constantly sustains us. But there's been people through the ages of time that, that became completely dissatisfied. As a minister, I have to be honest with you, it would be so easy for me to cruise it. But I, I know this, if you cruise, you lose. I actually sent a text to Shelley the other day, and, and I said, you know, you cruise, you lose, you know. That's just it, you know. You can get, you can get, you can get yourself to a place, even in ministry, that you know what? Everything, the machine is working for you. Instead of you working the machine. You know? And so you always have to watch yourself. It's like being in business, right? You can get to a stage where the business, nah, you know, just, it, it just works itself. You know, everybody's in place and, and everything's just working just fine. And then you, you get a little older and, and you don't seem to have the push like you used to have. But I maintain the push. And I say no matter how old I get, I'm always going to push because I know that the lid will move higher if I continue to push it higher. I want you to say that with me. The lid will move higher. Everybody, no. The lid will move higher if I continually push it higher. So what brings me into the privacy and the private place with the Lord is 
is the expectation that what I have learned from him and who he has become to me is nothing truly to what yet has to be revealed to me. I know aspects of him, aspects of us, just like us all know each other. We know aspects of each other. But as we live with people through the years, we begin to see more of them. Even after 32 years of living, carnal myself together as man and wife, we're, we're still finding out things about each other. Isn't that the most amazing thing? And yet we could say, I know what she will do. And yet there are times, even, you know, over this last period of time, she's done a couple of things and I thought, wow. <laughs> it's just things that, that you just, oh, I never saw that side of you. I, 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 never, I never saw that. But you know what? Things should always be. Anyway, I'm not here just to give you a chat, you know, and talk to you this morning, but my heart is for you. These pastors, these precious pastors, you know, pouring out their lives every single week, you know, it's like they do what they know they're supposed to do at the time they know to do it. Will they change over the years? Absolutely. You'll see them evolve. You'll see them blossom. You'll see them become more and more and more what it is that God has really created them to be. You can't judge them in the moment. You have to give them the grace that we all have to blossom in God and to bring the authenticity of who they truly are in Christ to the platform. I've told people over the years, you don't want me to be what you need me to be. You need me to be what God has created me to be. Stop trying to mold me, prod me, you know, suggest to me. I'm not above wisdom because there's safety in the multitude of wisdom, but, but the beauty of who God is to me in the private is really the power that is produced through me to the public setting. You know, over 20-something years in ministry, I've had so many people try to change me. Getting with people in ministry and peers and being in different crowds and different conferences and doing different things. It's amazing the expectations that people put on you. This is a little vulnerable, Pastor Paul. I don't know if I'm ready for this, but I believe, Anchor Faith Church, you're ready for this because God's hand is upon you. God's hand is upon your pastors. God's hand is upon this leadership. And, and as you're growing, you're going to grow in the beauty, the authenticity, the organic operations and heart of the Father. Can I have a big amen? amen. The last thing Georgia needs is another religious social club. And many of you have come from that. Truth be told. And the reason that you've moved from that to this is because you're searching, you're seeking. Yeah, the worship is amazing. The pastors are phenomenal. The way they talk about you, the way their hearts express about you is second to none. When you find treasures like this, hold on to them. Because when you find people that are genuinely interested in you, that genuinely love you, and that genuinely want the best for you, when you find a precious couple like that, treat them well. Let them know that you love them. Surround them with love. Leave them alone. Let them blossom. Let them become. Don't be saying things like, Pastor, I was thinking. If I had $10 for every time someone said, Pastor, I was thinking. Our church would be paid off, and we probably. <laughs> anyway, it's so good to be with you today. You know, you have many teachers, but very few fathers. And when you find the fathers, listen. When I was a child, I thought as a child, 
I talked as a child. I walked as a child. And one day I grew up. And I realized I'm not a child anymore. I'm a dad. And dads have responsibilities. How many people can remember life before you had children? I know it's been so long ago, right? I mean, but for some of you, you're embarking on that journey. But let me tell you this. There was life before the children, but the moment the children come, something happens. Everything changes. It's as if nothing else exists in the world except this little baby that the both of you have created. It's the most amazing thing this little child that you've never met before. And yet the love that you have for this child is beyond anything that you've ever known before. Amazing. Grown in the ministry, it's amazing. When you see the, the people that the Lord gives to you, and gives to you in a way that I mean that you become responsible spiritually for. I wasn't ready for how I would feel about people. That took me a little bit by storm. It would keep me up late at night, and it would get me up early in the morning. And I, I was a man that I would take people with me in my heart everywhere that I would go. I would administer say to me, Oh, for goodness sake, switch off, man. Shut it down. I would say to them, I don't know how to switch it off, shut it down. All I know is that I carry these people in my heart to the Lord. It's like we've become one. See, God will do things like that. And God will do things like that for you in your life, for your family. When you get alone with God and you stop just telling him everything that you need him to know because he knows more than what you'll ever know. How many people have ever spent time with God telling him everything that he needed to know? <laughs> just in case he didn't know it. Lord, well, I tell you, today, Lord, was just, it was just going to, he doesn't need to know that because he already knows. The best thing we can do is go to the Lord and say, Lord, what am I supposed to do with this day? Everything's changing. Hallelujah. Father, I pray over this precious, precious people. I ask you to touch them, Father, beyond their wildest dreams. Help them, Father. Show them the glory of your presence. Woo them into a place, Father, that they've never been before so that they will be what they've never been before to this humanity, to this world, to their families, in the name. In the name. Pray in the Spirit with me just two minutes. Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord good? Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Hallelujah to the Lamb. We worship Him. We worship Him. Father, the plan you have for this church, it's huge, Father. Huge. And Father God, we enter into this next season, these precious, precious pastors, Father. These precious pastors, Father. Amosolabiastanaya. Let them, Father God, know and see with clarity, Father, where and when and how this is to be done. Shut them in with yourself, Father, in the name of Jesus, as they rise and as they mount up. Let your presence become more real, Father, and more effective in their lives. Are you praying, guys? Come on, because this is so important. Your pastor can teach you and, and train you. Just let me do what God has asked me to do this morning. In the name of Jesus. What does this church look like 
in the next six months? What does this church look like in the next year? Who are the people that are coming? Because we call them forth, right? From the north to south and the east and the west. This is just not a local church of the similar to everything that is around here. Your children are waiting on you, mom and dad, rising up in God and becoming powerful in his presence. Your children need you to rise in the presence of God, not to just give them a form of godliness, but you must reveal to them the power of heaven. This is what's going to change things in this day and in this hour. Father, we give you praise and we give you honor and we magnify your name. We worship you, Father, in Jesus' precious name. We honor you. We honor you. Last night I brought to you Acts chapter 12. I'd like to go there very quickly, if I may. And I want to just give you some other things to that. I sense his presence in this room. And I honestly believe that hands are not needing to be laid on you this morning. I actually have in my heart tonight to, to have like an anointing of oil um, on anyone that will come. In the name of Jesus, I won't keep you long. I know that this is Sunday morning and we have mercy on the children's ministers. Can I have a big amen? Praise the Lord. I know what that's like. But tonight, if we can get some oil and we'll just have an anointing service, praise the Lord. If that's okay with the pastors, glory to God. Because every time we have an anointing of oil service at our church, everything shifts. Uh, Psalm 92 tells us that he anoints us with fresh oil. I know you can say it's supernatural or whatever, but there is nothing more powerful than the action of having anointing with oil. Things change. I love different translations there on that verse. It says that, that he will make you strong as a wild ox, or he will give you the strength of a charging bison. Hallelujah. Can I ask you a question? How many miracle workers do we have in this room today? Wave at me right now. If you really believe that God, wave at me. If you really believe, come on, everybody wave. If you really believe that God wants to move through you powerfully. How many people believe that sick people are going to come before you this week? That you're going to, yeah, we were in a restaurant yesterday. And you know, the server was coming over. And, uh, you know, she just wasn't in the best of form. And she had a glove on and and she, she made a comment about her hand, right? Well, the four of us, we were on that like a clegg. I'm telling you, we were, it was like, what did you say about your hand? <laughs> it's like we're on automatic. That if someone around you is telling you that they're sick, then they're telling you for a reason. Now, she wasn't for one minute. It was the most amazing thing because I've been with people that will allow you to pray with them. They'll stop anything. But man, she was busier than a busy thing. And, and I said to her, we're, we're praying over your hand. She says, oh, thank you. And moved right on. But whether she was interested or not, I was interested. She didn't have to go through that day in horrible form with a sore hand. Why? Because there's four powerful people sitting in that restaurant. Amen. That we're not sitting there as pastors. We're sitting there as the people of God. You understand? In that room, yesterday in that restaurant, we weren't there with our titles. <laughs> That's the thing. They didn't welcome us as pastors of the Most High God. Come sitteth at the lunch table as we feed you manna from heaven. No? Your table's ready. Just like everybody else in that room. Your table's ready. In Acts chapter 12, it's a beautiful story of how the church prayed. I want you to write this down. When people pray, change takes place. It's not the prayer of just a, Lord, please do something. It's working with God. It's working with his heart because he wants things to change more than what you desire them to change. 
How many people have ever prayed and what you prayed about didn't happen? Don't put up your hand. Don't put up your hand. Because we know that you're better than that. That every prayer that you pray works, right? We thank God actually walking with the Lord all these years that the prayers that we did pray in ignorance did not come to pass. Because some of the things that we asked for, we didn't truly need. But in the moment of emotion, in the moment of upheaval, we think that we... But no. That's why we must be led by the Spirit. And that's why our prayer must be what? Spirit-led prayer. They they that are the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. How many children of God do we have in this room? Praise the Lord. Some of you are not. We'll get you saved before the end of the day. John Henry Jowett said this, It is the field of prayer that life's critical battles are lost or won. We must conquer all our circumstances there. We must first of all bring them there. We must survey them there. We must master them there. In prayer, we bring our spiritual enemies into the presence of God, and we fight them there. Have you tried that? Or have you been satisfied to meet and fight your foes in the open spaces of this world? You don't fight the enemy out there in enemy's territory. You bring the enemy into the presence of the Lord. You make sure that the fight is stacked against the devil. God is for you. How many people believe that? With God for you, then who can be against you? How many people in this room actually believe you do have the victory? Wave at me right now. You really do have the victory. Well, how many people believe that you're going to walk in that victory? Why? Because you have confidence. The time that you have in the privacy with God is giving you confidence in the public setting of everything that you do every day of your life. I love what Gloria Copeland said years ago. If you make a deposit in the morning, you make, can, with God, you can make withdrawals all day. Sometimes people think, well, I'm a spirit-led person. I don't need to have disciplines of prayer. It amazes me that even other religions, religions that serve demon gods have disciplines in their lives. Look at the Muslims, and we give them a bad deal. But yet, they don't, they're not ashamed of hauling their little carpet out into a public place. And at the time of prayer, they'll drop it on a knee at the drop of a hat, ladies and gentlemen. Amen. Why? Because they are sold out to the disciplines of prayer and the expectations of religion. And yet, in the charismatic world, we're kind of like out to lunch a little bit. I, I know it's for the other church down the road, but we're out to lunch a little bit, right? Because we kind of wing it and pray it, and we can drop the knee at any time, and we can say, Jesus. But yet, prayer and disciplines, they give us powerful confidence. You say, well, I walk with God all the time, you know. You know, David, he prayed what? In the morning, in the night. Then he realized that wasn't enough. He prayed what? Morning, noon, and night. And then, you know what? He prayed at all times. That's wonderful if you have a discipline that you can keep yourself in a constant state of prayer. But you know what I find over life and, and what I find over you know, the course of what I do is that most people, they don't have that constancy in their lives because life wants to get in the driver's seat. Not your time you had with the Lord. Life, decisions, choices, family. You know, the busyness of life, the business, the work. Pastor, it's okay for you. You're a pastor. You do nothing but sit and study and pray. I tell people all the time, I did more studying and praying before I got into ministry. Because ministry is very busy. And that's how Satan wants to get people. It's amazing how you can seek God until you get the business. And then when you get in the business, the running of the business takes over. Productivity becomes the order of the day. The machine. It's the same in ministry. It's the same in family. It's the same when you get that little baby. 
Now that little baby rules your life, right? It dictates the routine. It has to get, you know, to bed at a certain time. No, no, no. You do not let that baby dictate your routine. That baby is baby on back. And that baby on back goes with you when you go. And if you train the child like that, then the child will be adaptable. And the child will be able to move in any way in life and will not be stuck and rigid. It's time. It's time for disciplines. Yes. That I have this time with the Lord and it's non-negotiable. And Karen said over the years when she sees me getting a little, you know, like, you know, hot under the collar and stuff like that, she'll say, it's time for you to go and spend time with the Lord. <laughs> you know, I've said to her what scripture says, it's time for you to be on the roof. <laughs> so I get to go and be with the Lord. She gets to go on the roof. That's what scripture says. If you have a cantankerous woman, she's put on the roof. That's what <laughs> Proverbs says. I poked the ceiling. I said, don't come down yet. You're not ready. I'm joking. Let's take a look at what we got last night. By the time Herod the king stretched forth his hands to afflict and oppress and torment some who belonged to the church, and he killed James the brother of John with a sword. And when he saw that it was pleasing to the Jews, he proceeded further and arrested Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized Peter, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers, of four each to guard him, purposing after the Passover to bring him forth to the people. What was he going to do? He was going to take the head off Peter like he did James. So Peter was kept in prison, but fervent prayer. I'd like you to underline this, or I'd like you to highlight it. You all got your Bibles this morning? We're at church, right? Imagine a plumber coming to your house without his tools. So when we come to church, we bring our tools with us. We bring the Bible, we bring a phone, or we bring an iPod. We do whatever we do so that we can see it, not just up on the screen. But we can actively see this is in my Bible, not just on the screen of the church. So Peter was kept in prison, right? But fervent prayer for him was persistently made to God by the church assembly. And the church assembly went down to the prison with their placards and their pitchforks and their crossbows. And they made a protest at the, church, at the prison until they let Peter go. Now, you reading your Bible know that I did not read the Bible just there. That's why you must read your Bible, so that you know that the preacher's not telling you lies. That's why I read my Bible. I check out what preachers preach to see if it's right. Because I'm not. I have one life, and I have to live it right. And if the preacher's lying to me, I ain't buying his lies. I don't care how good it is. I ain't buying the lie. Amen. And if it's not a revelation to me, then spirit of the Lord, you need to make this a revelation to me. And until it becomes a revelation, I'm not budging of what I believe right now until it becomes real to me. And it becomes real to me where? Not in the service, but back here in the processes of God. Father, I just think, I thank you for this morning's service. I, I couldn't understand anything that that the Irish man said. I mean, he was really strange. He's, he's a really strange preacher, a strange accent. Just really strange. He doesn't minister like people I know, you know. Aren't you going to have to help me with what he said? And if you spend time with the Lord like that, guess what will happen? The Lord will help you. Because this morning, whether you understand or not, there's a wooing that's going on in your spirit. How many people honestly could say that you probably could spend more time with the Lord? That's a good place to lift your hand to acknowledge it, but bless the Lord. I'm not going to lift my hands for nothing. Listen, if it was a Chinese meal, your hand would be in the air. Over here! 
We need the wings of the Lord. We need the wings of the Spirit. Jim's head was taken off. I believe the church prayed, like I said last night. But now Peter is facing a beheading as well. And I believe the provocations of James' death has pushed the church into a place that they're not going to let Peter die the same way. Not today, devil. So they went with it. And so we can see now in verse 5 that the church prayed fervently. Now you know, right, James 5, that the heartfelt prayers of a righteous man or woman makes tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working. So this is the fervent prayer in display and demonstration. I thought Pastor Paul Brady was supposed to be a fiery preacher. I am when the Lord wants that. But on a Sunday morning in Valdosta, Georgia, in the middle of September, the Lord's just having me just lay some things out there so that we can take a block and add it to what's being built and step up on that. And say that Anchor Faith Church, man, they love the Lord. That Anchor Faith Church, man, they love the Lord. Those people love the Lord. Those people love. Have you ever seen people love the Lord like that? Do you know why there's miracles happening at Anchor Faith Church? Those people love the Lord. And they love each other. They love each other. Do you know the two top things that people talk about when they come to Millennial, our church, his church, we pastor is the love in his presence. Yeah. Not my preaching. <laughs> but love in his presence. How many people want people to talk about anchor faith like that? Not about the great teaching gift of the pastor. But God's there. The presence of the Lord is in. If you can just get yourself. We had somebody contact us recently. They said, I know that if I can just get in the parking lot of that church, my life will change. I mean, people desire that for here. I, I know you've got your own lives and really pastors, the one that's here all the time. And, and you're right there doing your thing. And I mean, it's a blessing for pastor that you show up on a Sunday. I know that. You've got a choice, right? It's like the airline industry. We thank you for flying Anchor Faith Airways today. You had a choice, but you chose to come here. The greatest blessing that you can be to these pastors is to become a participator. Not just like other churches where you attend for generations, but to participate. So that we can change the future generations. Not sentence them to a life of religion. But to bring them into fervency of spirit. My God. Did you see the way that they pray down there at Anchor Faith Church? I mean, they, they don't pray like no other church I've been at. You know? They give me the numbers from our pre-service prayer this morning back at Millennial. There were 60 people approximately showed up to pray before service. 30 minutes of fervent prayer so utterance could come forth from the pulpit. That's 60 hungry people that gave up their time to ensure that the other several hundred people hear something from heaven. Not what I cooked up with me and God at my desk. That's the bones. But that utterance that comes because of people praying is that floodgate that, from that reservoir of the Spirit that comes as bursts of light and revelation that is so desperately needed for each and every one of us because every one of us will hear something that the other people don't hear. And that is how God speaks to us. Did you hear about the miracles down at Anchor Faith Church? It was amazing. Pastor tried to preach Sunday. He tried to teach Sunday. But I'm telling you, this lady, she shouted out from the congregation, Pastor, I've just got healed. A notable miracle. So well, I, I don't know if God would do that. 
God's desiring to do that. How many people knows at least one person that needs a healing? Let me see your hands. You know. Well, how many people believe that they could get healed today? Well, they're not in church today, but your faith for them, you being here, you in agreement for them, your fervency for them. If you really believe that you, by getting them in here would change their lives, then you would go by their door today and you would put them in your car and you would bring them to church. That's what the four crazy friends of the paraplegic did. They knew that Jesus was preaching and they said, you know what? We got to get him into the presence of Jesus. So come on, everybody. We got to... I'm, I'm trying not to preach, but I, I sense the Spirit of the Lord moving. All you need is somebody around you that's not willing for you to stay sick anymore, stay broke anymore, stay down and depressed anymore. All you need is somebody around you that is refusing you to be destroyed and to be depressed and to be strung out on depression medicine. I need somebody in my life that actually can lift me and help me. And even if I don't want to go, they say, you're going. You know the thing about the paraplegic, whether he wanted to go or not, he was in no condition to <laughs> refuse. Because they grabbed the four ends of his pad, his mattress, and says, you're going. And when they got there, there was no room for them. Oh, so they took him back. Huh? How do you know they didn't take him back? Well, pastor preaches us, teaches us well. Absolutely he does. But do you see it in your Bible? Because it's not pastor's Bible that, 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 that is going to free you. It's your Bible that's going to free you. And when they got to that house, what? They saw there was no room and they said, guys, we'll just come back tomorrow, you know, just to see if the Lord is there. And, and if it's the Lord's will and there's room for us, you know, then we know that the paraplegic is going to get off this mattress. No, they had tenacity. They had stickability. They were fervent. They were in a state of mind that this guy is getting off this mattress today. Because if anybody can get anybody off a mattress, Jesus can get them off the mattress. So and I'm telling you, they're living in the Middle East. You know, it's all flat roofs. And, and they got up there and they started to tear up the roof. And Jesus is preaching a sermon. And in the middle of this anointed message, the dirt is dropping on him. The clay is dropping on him. The dust from the ceiling is dropping on him. In today's world, in the ministerial, the ministerial ethics of the anointed, the anointed preacher, this would be a travesty right here that someone is interrupting the anointing. But Jesus was there to be interrupted. And he was being interrupted by the potential of a life that was incapacitated. Now a miracle was about to be seen in the middle of his message. How dare you interrupt my message? He, Jesus says, interrupt me all day long. Because I tell you, if these people have the faith to get this cripple in my presence, then I'm telling you, I'm going to take the time to get this cripple off this mat. Your expectation coming to church today was your expectation what? Your expectation that we're going to blow the roof off with our praise and worship? That you're going to work up a sweat even though we've got AC? How many people thank God for AC in Georgia? Aren't you glad that these pastors have believed and you've believed for a roof over your head with AC on a Sunday morning? That's a blessing right there. And you're wondering why you should give to the building fund? Just stepping out of your car this morning should have made you grateful and dig deeper in your pockets and writing a big old check to say, thank God we have an air-conditioned building. Well, I can tell you Jesus didn't have air conditioning in that room in the Middle East. Dust flying, the heat, the humidity. If you've ever been to Israel, you'll know what I'm talking about. And there it is right there. And this man is being lowered down into the presence of Jesus. Everybody's going, look at that. This is terrible. They're interrupting Jesus. But the four men, those four crazy men, didn't care. They didn't give a rip. You all say that here in Georgia? Don't give a rip. Didn't give a rip. And guess what? That man lay there. Just lay there and lay there and lay there. And they picked him up after the service. That man got up. I said, that man got up. I said, that man got up. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm getting up too. Hallelujah. 
Oh, praise the Lord. I'm going to say it again. I'm getting up too. How many people know at least one sick person around you? Let me see your hands. I'm not talking in this church. You know at least one sick person. And you might be that sick person. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you're not going to be sick no more in the name of Jesus. Why? Because at Anchor Faith, we see miracles. At Anchor Faith, we get the sick well. At Anchor Faith, we see the dead raised. At Anchor Faith, we see the incapacitated made fully functional in the name of Jesus. Lift your hands and thank him for it right now. That's the church you're part of. That's the church you're part of. I'm not really interested. Just you're interested. I mean, any of you, any of you ever been down the A&E, the ER? I mean, you're interested enough if you're going to ER. The emergency room. You're interested enough if you're going there. You have cut off your finger and you say, I'm going to the emergency You're interested enough. So don't tell me that you're not interested in your physical well-being. Because you hit a pain. You get a pain in your chest. You get a pain up the side of your head. You're interested. And you know what you're going to do? Instead of going to the father of eternity, you go to Mother Google. I'll try this section over here. You know I'm right. Instead of going to the father of eternity, you go to Mother Google and you wonder, is it time to go to the ER? It's the truth. And on the way to the ER, you're giving up a prayer. You're driving down the street and you're praying like fury in tongues, right? But this is the first time in a while that you've been praying furiously in tongues. Now we've got the 911 out to God. Help me, Jesus. Help me. Help me. And we file in there around the sick bed in the hospital. And now I'm telling you, we're, we're fervent, all right? Now we're fervent. Maybe this is too much on a Sunday morning. How many people's glad I came to Baldosta? How many people's glad you came to church today? How many people's glad that you have pastors that's fighting for you? Come on, guys, give them a clap. Come on, give them a clap. Come on, give them a clap. Let them know that you love them. You stand with them. You fight with them. We're brothers in arms. We stand shoulder to shoulder. We're behind you, Pastor. That's when you say, I, I'm not letting nobody get to my man of God, my woman of God. I'm not letting anybody get to them. You hear somebody criticize them, you rebuke them in the name of Jesus, and you say, you can shut your sorry mouth right now. That's my pastor you're talking about. And I will not let the devil get to my pastor. Somebody give the Lord praise and honor. That's how you honor the man and woman of God. You don't sit there, you know, you know, creeping around, you know, slipping like an old snake. You know, I just don't know why he does that. I don't know why they do that. I, I just don't know. No, no, no. You hear that? You hear somebody saying that? You say, get behind me, Satan. I'm not sticking that no more. Why? Because I'm part of this church and this church is going all the way. I'll say it again. This church is going all the way. You ain't seen nothing yet. This building's not big enough. You got to push out these walls. Amen. The plans they have, I don't think it's even big enough. I tell you, my God, I don't know how many building programs you have to give to. I've already built three churches in this time. Well, praise the Lord, you're building a fourth. Just get with it. Obviously, you're anointed to do it. Hallelujah. Are you glad you came? It says the angel of the Lord came. Everybody says the prayer produced heaven in the midst of a jail. There was no picketing at the jail. There was nobody dying there trying to blow the doors open of the jail. This was prayer. This was prayer manifesting. We'll say it one more time. This was prayer manifesting. Do you know that Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this? Prayer can never be in excess. In other words, you can never do too much. These people fervently praying over there at this house, the early church in there, and they were praying. They weren't listening to another message. They weren't on their fourth teaching. This was not a time for teaching. This was a time for action of what they had been taught. Do you know, you may come to church, you know, in the months to come, and 
And you're wondering why pastor's not teaching today, but yet he's calling the church to pray today. If he ever does that, go with him. It's just not four worship songs, a message, and an offering. It's being led by the Spirit. Because when God calls for prayer like that, then something's going on somewhere that needs the attention of the church to pray. Hallelujah. Between verse 7 and verse 11, and coming up to a close, I, I know we have to go to lunch. Hallelujah. How many people's looking forward to your lunch? Glory to God. We'll let you out in five minutes, five, five minutes after three. <laughs> Verse 7 to 11 says this. The early church, because of their prayer, produced an angel of deliverance. They produced a great light. They produced a tangible touch of an angel. They roused Peter from his sleep. His chains fell off. And Peter actually heard the angel give him instructions and was accompanied by an angel until Peter did not need that angel anymore. That's what prayer will do. The church through prayer dealt with and stopped the spirit of death and bondage. I don't know if you've ever saw this before in this chapter, but Peter was really on death row. Like in ancient times, death row. He was being prepared to die. But not on God's calendar. Because God's heart was that Peter would live. If you've ever been provoked, ladies and gentlemen, use it to your advantage. If something negative is trying to happen in your life, go to prayer. And allow that provocation to push you over the edge. Don't get down about the disappointments and the negative things that are going on. Take everything into the place of prayer. Financial. Take it into the place of prayer. Be provoked by lack. Not run by it. I'll say it again. Be provoked by lack. But not run by it. Lack is not Lord over you. Amen. You rise up and you bind that spirit of lack. You take authority over insufficiency. You take authority over the spirit of poverty. Right? You are provoked by the lack. And by faith then, by the entering of his word in your heart, by faith you are energized. That you are not moved by what you see. That everything is temporal, and it is subject to change. Why? Because you are praying. Pastor, ah, ah, you speak so much about prayer. Yes, because it's the least attended way of operating in God. You look at your life today, and you see how much you actually pray, and see how much you have accomplished. Now, for some, that's not much. And for some, you've accomplished a lot. But if you were to up your prayer, if you were to pray more and work with God more, the little success that you have would be exponentially increased because of your decision to pray. I speak this over you today, that things are changing in your house. Because you are a house of prayer. And that God has called you to pray. Not just little prayers like, oh Lord, bless the church and bless the pastors. No, but getting in a place with God for your pastors. We lift them up. Do you know God gave us the ability to speak in tongues for a reason? Not to show the world that we are charismatics. Any man that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh unto God. So when you speak in your prayer language, who are you speaking to? God. Isn't that beautiful? 
How many people want to speak to God? How many people over all your walk with the Lord have known what you needed to pray at times? No. That's where Romans 8, 26 jumps in. That when you don't know what to pray, the Spirit will come to your aid and bear you up in your weakness, helping you pray with yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. Can I just suggest this to you? That every failure in life is a prayer failure. Can I suggest to you this? That prayer may be what you need to attend to. Can I suggest to this? Yes, you've been growing your faith. Yes, you've been putting the word in your heart. But are you given your time to praying it out? Are you given your time to speaking beyond what you know? And you can only speak beyond what you know by speaking in other tongues. It's not just going motor mouth with tongues and when things go bad. It's praying in the Spirit and praying with the help of the Spirit regardless of what's going on in our lives. Why? Because God so wants to invade your world. You're looking at a man that's been changed by the presence of the Lord. I love this stuff. You can forgive me if you don't like it, but I love it. Why? Because I'm not here to give you something that I don't have. I believe that God wants the church to come back to prayer. I believe that the church, God wants the church to rally in the realm of prayer to get some things done. We have a country, ladies and gentlemen. We're U.S. citizens just like you. We have a country that seems to be wanting to fall apart being frayed at the edges. The very tapestry of everything that we've stood for seems to be wanting to unravel. But not if the church will pray. Think about how many churches are in this land. 50 states of the Union. Millions of churches. And yet it looks like the country is still falling apart and imploding. But if the church will pray, things will change. I'm going to say it again. If the church will pray, things will change. Just like the early church pulled angels into a jail. Just like the early church pulled angels into operation. Psalm 103, right? They hearken to the voice of the Lord. The angels go to and fro. They're on assignment. Give them something to do. I believe that we have a host of angels, a myriad of angels at our beck and call so that you can live your life to the best that you can ever leave it, live it. Husbands, don't just simply be here because your wife is sort of, you know, spiritually inclined. Now, get involved. Be participant. Show up at the prayer meetings. Well, I'm not really like that, Pastor Paul. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a farmer. I'm not, you know. no. You are like that. Jesus gave us life for you. Jesus laid down everything for you so that you and your family could have eternal life with him and live with him forever and ever and ever. We have what? Three scores and 10 to 120. We can live the best life that we can ever live. We're just not using the word and in our prayer just to, so that we can, you know, live your best life. No, no, no. We're living this so that we can give God glory and honor and praise. And so that we can see Georgia move in the right direction. How many people believe that God has a plan for Georgia? Come on, wave at me, right? You believe that? Well, you know, your strong talk, you know, with, with, with your friends is not changing Georgia. You know, you can vote, but I can tell you with everything that's going on with the voting, who can even tr trust the voting systems and all those different things? But you know what the world and what the devil cannot mess with? They cannot mess with your prayer. So they can, they can fix all they want, but they can't fix it when we pray God into the situation. You can't fix that. You give God the right to invade angels, demonstrations of God. That's why we must pray. That's why God is raising up Anchor Faith Church so that you can become a force, an entity, a people that's not going to back down and not just rely on the ballot box. But you know, but by prayer, excuse me, and by the operations of the Spirit, you know that this is going to stay one nation under God. Can I have a big amen?
Come on, everybody. You gotta, you gotta raise that blood. And I tell you, you can come on, Pastor. You can go anywhere that you want to go and pick it and do all you want to do. But make sure that you show up when you have prayed. Make sure that you are there and prayer is back in you. Make sure that you are acquainted with the God that you so say that you serve. Make sure that when you show up, you've got that shout that is so needed because of your obedience to follow Christ into everything that you're going to do. I do not believe that this church is an accident. And I do not believe that you are here by accident. I believe that this is an on-purpose move of the Spirit of God. God has plans for you and plans for me and plans for these precious pastors. Give it what you've got. Get behind them. It's a very simple message this morning. There's thousands of things I could have said, but I trust with all my heart that I said the things that the Spirit wanted me to say. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.